Hey there, Filled With Messages friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you don't know me, my name is Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich. Over the past few weeks, God put on quite the show on our church's front lawn. The magnolia tree right outside my office window was in glorious bloom with its pale pink blossoms sparkling against a brilliant blue sky. Even several overnight freezes didn't rob us of the gorgeousness of this tree. It's a particular treat as so many years a strong wind or rainstorm scatter the petals before they can burst into bloom. What is it about nature that has this ability to calm us, body and soul? Is it the way it captures all our senses? Is it the pace of it that hushes us? Is it the scale, both nature's hugeness and its tininess, that helps us put ourselves in perspective? Is it the contrast between it and our workaday worlds that enwraps us in an anxiety-reducing hug? Perhaps nature's ability to bring us to places of peace is because God designed the natural world to do so. Throughout the pages of scripture, God uses nature to remind us of his love, faithfulness, constancy. Especially when we are in crisis, God employs nature to care for us. Hear these words from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you pray with me? God, our good shepherd, hold us close. Help us to feel your love and your care so that we can hear you speaking to us now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Throughout the Bible, we see God using creation to tend and care for his people. If there was an easy way to do it, I'd ask for examples, and together I'm sure we could come up with quite the list. But since that's not possible, let me highlight some of the examples which came to my mind. When the Hebrew people cried out to God in pain because of the oppression they were experiencing as slaves in Egypt, God heard them and saw them. To lead them out of their suffering, God set a bush on fire, but didn't let the fire consume it. This bush that was on fire but not burning up attracted the attention of a guy named Moses. From the bush, God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. On their way out of Egypt, God also used many natural elements to protect the Hebrew people. God caused a great wind to blow over the Red Sea, causing it to part so God's people could walk across it on dry land. When Egyptian chariots were chasing after the Hebrews to haul them back to slavery, earth caked in their wheels, and they got stuck in the mud. 
Then when the Hebrews were wandering around the desert, a bit lost, God led them by a cloud and by lightning to a land flowing with milk and honey. In the Exodus story, God uses earth, wind, and fire to help his people out. But in my favorite biblical nature story, God uses a donkey to get someone's attention. Balaam was a wise man, a seer. The Israelite leaders went to him asking for his advice and help because of some people who were terrifying them. Balaam prayed, God answered, and Balaam decided to ignore God. Understandably, God was angry that Balaam ignored him. Most of us get angry when we're being ignored. Balaam's choice had some very significant consequences, though, so God couldn't just get angry. God needed to do something about Balaam's choice. The next day, Balaam was riding his donkey down a road, and God sent an angel to stand in the middle of the road with a sword in his hand. Balaam's donkey saw the angel, but Balaam, remember, Balaam was a seer, one who was supposed to see the divine side of things, Balaam did not see the angel. The donkey was justifiably terrified when it saw the sword-wheeling angel, so it veered off the side of the road. That really annoyed Balaam, so he beat his donkey. The angel came closer, and the donkey squeezed Balaam's foot between a wall and itself. Balaam's ire grew, and he beat his donkey again. The angel came even closer, so the donkey laid down under Balaam, but still Balaam didn't stop to wonder what was going on, so he beat his donkey even more. Poor donkey. Finally, God opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you've beaten me these three times? Balaam and the donkey had a heated conversation before Balaam the seer finally saw what his donkey had seen the whole time, God's messenger trying to get his attention. Donkeys aren't the only animals God uses to care for his people. In another lesser-known story in the Bible, the great prophet Elijah was in hiding. The Bible isn't completely clear about why Elijah's hiding, But the implication is that he was doing so because he had spoken a less than cheerful prophecy to the king. God told Elijah to run and promised to take care of him while he was on the lamb. God said, you can drink from the brook. I have also ordered the ravens to provide for you there. I get a chuckle imagining the mama ravens feeding Elijah like he was a baby raven. But scripture actually tells us, The ravens brought bread and meat in the mornings and the evenings. Just in case this seems too good to be true, recently ravens were made the news for stealing food from Costco shoppers in Alaska. So perhaps ravens feeding Elijah isn't such a crazy idea after all. Also, maybe duck and cover when you're coming out of Costco. Jesus was also deeply connected to the natural world. His birth happened while he was surrounded by angels or animals, rather, and at least that's the way we like to imagine it. Perhaps Joseph shooed all the sheep and goats out while Mary was in labor. Can't imagine it would be fun to give birth with a goat chewing his cud in the corner. But we love to imagine the animals caring for baby Jesus, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Perhaps his birthplace was what made him so comfortable with animals. After his baptism, Jesus went into the desert and was tempted for 40 days. 
There, the Gospel of Mark tells us he was among the wild animals. There's no hint of fear or enmity in Mark's description. Some commentators even think the animals took care of Jesus while he was in such a desolate place. Not only was Jesus connected to animals, he was also deeply connected to other natural elements. You might remember the time when he calmed a terrible storm with just the sound of his voice. He also walked on water and empowered Peter to do the same. During his ministry, Jesus went to the hills, to gardens, up mountains, to pray, to spend time with God, to refresh his spirit. The natural world was also a vital teaching tool for Jesus. Throughout his ministry, he peppered his lessons with animal tales and nature metaphors. Perhaps his most famous teaching using natural elements helps us understand why we can trust God. Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more than they? And why do you worry about your clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spin clothes. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you? Theologian Elaine Heath writes, God the creator uses elements of creation to redeem and recreate his oppressed and broken people. I think the psalmist was trying to say something similar when he wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He finds me grassy meadows in which to rest. He leads me to restful waters. When we are struggling, when we are oppressed, when we are worn out, when we are feeling disconnected from ourselves, Often, God uses nature to bring us out of our trouble, to restore and recreate us. God leads us to natural places where we can find rest. Rest which is so elusive in our everyday world, which runs constantly and drives us to move more quickly than is good for us. God's use of creation to help us in life is part of what nudges us to be good stewards of creation. Yes, certainly, we humans were given the task of caring for nature by God, but it's more than just a task for us. It's a relationship. We are in a symbiotic relationship with the natural world. It takes care of us, and we take care of it. We cannot live without it, and it cannot live without us. It restores us, so we restore it. It helps us rest, and we help it rest. Recently, we celebrated Earth Day. The 2021 Earth Day theme is Restore the Earth. So let's do it. Not because of a day or because of a theme, but let's restore the Earth so God can continue to use it to restore us, recreate us, redeem us. There are so many simple things we can do to restore the Earth. Plant native species in our gardens, eat vegetarian one day of the week, 
meat production produces a lot of carbon emissions. When you go grocery shopping this week, don't buy anything with palm oil in it. The palm oil industry is wiping out rainforests, producing lots of carbon emissions, and driving orangutans towards extinction. It'll surprise you how pervasive this product it is. Those are just a few examples. There are so many simple ways we can restore the earth. Choose a few and make them part of your everyday life. Do so because God calls you to be a caretaker of this planet, but also do so because nature is one of the ways God takes care of you. Thank you for joining me today, my friend. I hope that you spend some time in nature and allow God to use it to restore, redeem, and recreate you. Grace and peace be with you. Talk to you soon. Goodbye.